last week engaged, the, the way God's Spirit moved last week, it changed some things. And so I want to take some time this morning, and I want to unpack that a bit. As we look at God's saga, as we strive as a campus to live the bigger story, what in the world do we do with that, with last week? What do we do with Tuesday night when, when a majority of people in the room either came forward or they stood up with their, where they were, declaring in this very real way that they were ready to take the next step? That maybe that step for you was saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Maybe that's why you're up there. Or maybe you were, maybe you were recommitting to Jesus that at one point in your life you had followed him and you'd sort of walked away, but you were recommitting. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it was just acknowledging that you feel stuck and you don't want to feel stuck anymore. And so you came forward because you don't want to feel stuck. Something happened last week. And this morning, I want to ask the question, what now? What do we do with that now? So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 17. If you don't have one, there are some right in front of you. Matthew, chapter 17, we're going to start there this morning. Matthew, chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says, after six days... Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here, if you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Now, this, this story, this event is called the Transfiguration, and it's phenomenal. Jesus takes three of his closest students, Peter, James, and John. He takes them up this mountain with him, and at some point, as they travel up this mountain, Jesus is transfigured. Now, the word transfigured in the Greek language is the word metamorpho. Let me hear you say metamorpho. metamorpho. Yes, and that literally means to like be transformed, but it's God who does the transforming. Metamorpho means that I'm transformed, but it's God who calls it. So Peter, James, and John are with Jesus on this mountain, and all of a sudden it's, it's, it's like it's morphing time. In an instant, Jesus is transformed before their eyes. His face becomes as bright as the sun, and his clothes transform, and his clothes become brilliant, bright, radiant, white, almost as if his clothes are made out of light. And then Moses shows up, like the Moses, the burning bush, part in the Red Sea, Ten Commandments, Moses shows up. 
And then also this other guy, Elijah, the bear fighting, calling down fire from heaven, the guy that didn't actually ever die, that Elijah. In an instant, Jesus is flanked by Moses and Elijah. And so there's this intense, powerful moment, and these three disciples, James, Peter, and John, are just watching this. They're experiencing all of this, and then it happens. Peter opens his big yapper. Because there's always that guy. There's always the guy in the middle of something like this who's like, I have an idea. There's always that guy who's with you hanging out, the one who like thinks, fir- thinks later and speaks first, the guy who like lacks the gift of reflection. He's the guy who's with you all the time that always forces to be like, who brought the cool kid? Like that guy, Peter speaks into this intense moment. And he says, Lord, this is awesome. Let me, uh, I'm going to build some memorials for you. I mean, let me build some shelters. Like he doesn't know what else to do. He's like, well, let me build something for you. But then in the next moment, The very next moment, his plan is pretty much rejected because in the next instant, they're all enveloped in a bright cloud. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. I want you to imagine that. Close your eyes and imagine that. Imagine being enveloped, being inside a giant, bright cloud. You're inside a cloud, and then the cloud begins to speak to you. And this bright cloud says, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Imagine being inside a talking bright cloud. At this point, these three men, these big blue-collared, roughneck fishermen are freaked out. They fall face down and they're terrified. And then in the next instant, it's over. Moses and Elijah and the talking cloud, it's all gone. And it's just the four of them on the mountain again. Jesus says, get up. Don't be afraid. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being there, seeing Jesus being transformed, seeing Moses and Elijah, hearing the voice of God inside a cloud? Can you imagine that, the light, the cloud? Can you imagine what that would have been like? You see, for Peter, for James, for John, this is a mountaintop experience. This this moment, this event, that was so over-the-top amazing, this experience where God reveals himself a little more. Can you imagine what that would have been like to be there? This mountaintop experience, this moment or event that's so over-the-top amazing where God reveals himself a little more. For Peter and James and John, this was a mountaintop experience the kind of experience that's associated with with experiencing God in powerful, unforgettable ways. These are mountaintop moments. The moments when we experience God like this, and these moments, they still happen. 
a lot of my mountaintop moments, especially early on for me as a Christian, happened as a student here at Central. I remember that. I remember the times in which God would move in powerful ways. I remember seeing lives changed. I remember seeing people delivered from things, from the forces that have been holding them back. I remember those moments. Or I've had these moments. I've had these kinds of moments that have happened during times of worship, times of singing, times like this one. Take a look. You ever try to explain your mountaintop moment to somebody else? And you watch a weird clip of a concert, and you're like, dude, I don't know why that clip started with the word law, just la la, but it was not inspiring. So that was a, that was a clip from a concert that I was at in 2007 by the Rock and Roll Extravaganza of the David uh, Crowder Band. Uh, and I remember that moment. And so for me now, to say that was a mountaintop experience for me, I remember that moment. And for me to try to explain it to you, you ever have a moment that you try to explain it to somebody else, and they're like, Cool, bro. Like, that's how, that's how that feels. But I remember that moment. I remember. I remember the bass was so loud that I could, like, feel it in my chest. By the way, anybody, like, pre-COVID, remember concerts? Oh, that was, that was so good. I hope that can happen again soon without, like, being a super spreader event. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah, but I remember the bass was so loud. And I remember I closed my eyes, and I, like, took it in, and 
I was completely aware that it was so loud and I was so close to the front that I was probably going to have hearing issues later in life. But I didn't care because there was something in that moment, corporately singing those words, hearing the melody carried, there was something about the power of the chords and the notes being played, the intensity where I was sure that the separation between earth and heaven, that the veil was a little thinner. And I imagine that that has to be the kind of volume, the kind of intensity that is around the throne in heaven right now. I am convinced that heaven sounds like David Crowder Band. Convinced. It was powerful. Something happens in those moments that's difficult to put words to. It's a beautiful thing. And I would suggest that last week, especially Tuesday night, as a campus, a lot of us had mountaintop experiences where if you tried to explain it to somebody after, they'd be like, okay, bro, do you know, do you know that since I started this, this job, this gig in January of, last, of this year, do you know that since I started this job last January, I have spent time every day, I have started every day since January 1st, Praying for you. Praying for this campus. I have prayed every day for revival. I have prayed for God to reveal himself more and more to this campus. I have prayed every day for you. That you would come to know the love of Jesus and that it would change everything for you. That it would transform our campus. That Jesus would change everything. I have prayed every day day since January 1st for you. And then last Tuesday night, I got to watch that happen. I watched God's Spirit move in ways that I have been praying for since January. And even if I was, as I was standing in the back, and I was like a little Oprah back there. There were some like tears. And uh, somebody, Lizzie, I think, somebody took a picture of me. They exploited me and like, you're not going to see that, folks here. But as the moment, as that moment came to a close, I was left with this reality of, okay, that happened. Now what? Now, now what do you do with that? Where do we go from here? Like we have this, this mountaintop experience, so now what? Because if we're honest, the truth is, is that it's not possible to live on the mountaintop. The moment we had during Engage, we celebrate that, but the moment eventually fades. You can't live your whole life in that moment. Look at the story that we started with this morning. Peter, James, and John experiencing something that no one had ever experienced before. They witnessed firsthand the divinity of Jesus. The fact that Jesus is God, that he was transformed right before their eyes, that Jesus was wearing light. And then they were enveloped in this cloud, and the cloud started to talk to them. They said, this is my son, listen to him. And this experience, this isn't something you would ever forget. This is something that you would keep coming back to. That you would wake up every morning going, can you believe we experienced that? 
after experiencing something like that, you would be 100% on board with God's mission no matter what, because after you experience that, how do you do anything else? It would mess you up completely. We heard the voice of God. They're never going to forget this. Except that they do. They do. They forget. It doesn't stay with them. James and John, these brothers that just experienced this, they're soon going to desert Jesus. And Peter, the one who just said, you're the Christ, Peter, who wanted to celebrate the moment by building altars, Peter is going to deny that he ever even knew Jesus. I mean, how can these men, after they've experienced this, how could you ever turn your back on that? But we do it too, right? Because the mountaintop experience, the mountaintop moments, they're not sustainable because that's not how life works. And maybe if you've been following Jesus for a while, you've experienced it. Maybe you grew up in a church or you went to a, an event or a worship service or a camp. Church camp is really phenomenal for this sort of reality. And you come home from the camp or the thing, and you're like on fire for Jesus. I don't know why we use those words. It's weird. And you're ready to like take over the world for Jesus. And you have committed after camp to never sinning ever again. And you're going to get up every morning and you're going to read your Bible for five hours. We experience this mountaintop thing. And we've all experienced it fade. We feel like, oh, something wrong with me. Why can't I feel right now the way I did there? I was so on fire in that moment. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah. You can't live jumping from mountaintop to mountaintop. You can't live just waiting for the next big Jesus moment. Because life isn't all mountaintops. There's valleys, right? There's seasons of darkness. There's moments where all of us would be like, I'm in my own personal hell right now. The dark nights of the soul. The truth is, is that those moments are important too. And we have to figure out how to follow Jesus in those moments as well as the mountaintops. And so again, I'm left with a sense of now what? How do we celebrate what God did here last week and then move on to the new thing that I think he wants to do next? How do we come down off the mountaintop experience and live in an average, ordinary day at Central Christian College? How do we continue to follow Jesus with the same passion we had last week, but in the midst of class and tests and practice and games and tournaments and roommates and dorm life and cat food and laundry and all the stuff? How do we take what happened last week and use it to help us follow Jesus passionately in the midst of the ordinary stuff of life. So this morning I want to offer a few thoughts, a few ideas, a few answers to the now what. Now that we've come down off the mountain, now what? First, if you want to know God better, the primary way that God reveals himself to us 
the primary way for you to grow closer to God, for you to know more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, the primary, the main way this happens is through reading your Bible. You want to know how to live life off the mountain? It starts with reading the Bible. Now, if you don't have a Bible, come talk to me. Talk to your RD, talk to your RA, talk to someone, because if we, you don't have a Bible, we will get you one, and it will be nice. That doesn't mean if you, like, have a crappy Bible and you want a better one, that's not what I'm talking about. Actually, no, come talk to me and do that. We'll get you next time. If you don't know where to start, because let's be honest, this is a big book, y'all. If you don't know where to start and uh, this, that's a bad method of Bible study. Don't do that. I know that you feel really good about that sometimes. And you're like, oh, my gosh, the Lord spoke to me. And you're like, watch this. Vengeance is mine, says, so that's bad. Like, don't do that, because that is not a good way to study the Bible. Come talk to me. I have resources to help you. If you're looking for a place to start, start in the book of Matthew. Read a few verses a day. Read, read, read the Bible. Number two, prayer. The phrase that you hear a lot is relationship with God. In order for there to be a relationship, there needs to be communication. And that, in its most simple form, is all prayer is. We make it so dang complicated, but prayer is simply talking to God. I love that our campus chaplain gets up every chapel and she starts her prayer simply by saying, Hey, God, I love it. Because in its most simple way, prayer is simply talking to God. And communication is a two-way street, guys. It involves both talking and listening. I think that a lot of us have the talking side of prayer down, actually. But how often do you spend time being silent, letting God speak to you? If in, if in my relationship with my wife, if all I ever did was talk, 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 and I never let her talk, that would not be a good marriage. That would be a really bad relationship. But we do that a lot with God. We say, okay, I'm going to pray, and then we, we're going to, I'm going to pray, and then we fill all the space with our own words. Never silent. Now, if you're like me, you may need some help doing this as well. Um, I have a journal. I spend every morning writing my prayers in my journal. When I say that I've been praying for revival on this campus, that's where those prayers are every day. Or maybe you need to move when you pray. You need movement. So maybe it's going for a walk because some of us, when we try to pray as we're going to sleep at night, we end up beginning the prayer, but we don't remember ever ending the prayer. How do you know exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah, somewhere in there you fell asleep talking to Jesus. That means you're going to hell. I'm just kidding. That's not true. It's not true. But I, had, I had somebody tell me once that there's nothing better than falling asleep in the arms of Jesus. However, there are things you can do to help with that. How, where are my fellow ADHD people at? How many of you, like, you start praying, and then somewhere in there, somewhere in there, you're like, where'd that mark come from on my hand? Like, you're, like, you're completely, like, you'll start a prayer, and then by the end of it, you're like, did I eat Wendy's twice yesterday? Like, you completely lose all focus. Prayer, it doesn't have to be big church words. It needs to be a conversation between you and God. And so find the things that work for you. Number three, community. 
being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, this thing was never meant to be done solo. It was never intended that you do this on your own. Having people around you, cheering you on, supporting you, believing in you, answering your questions, praying for you, challenging you, speaking truth when you're out of line, that's all part of it. Having community around you is important, and one of the best things you can do if you made any kind of decision last week, one of the best things you can do is to tell someone. Tell your roommate, tell your RA, tell your coach, tell me. Community is crucial when you come down off a mountaintop moment because community helps us sustain the thing. Oh, and this book, this book, this book was never meant to be something that you lock yourself in a room and read by yourself especially if you're new to it. This book was always, from its very inception, this book was written to be read and studied and understood in community. Let me give you an example. Let me show you why. Next slide. Oh, the next one. Nope, back. Back. The one that you keep skipping. There you go. That one. Good job. Slides is a hard job. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're new to this Jesus thing. And somebody's like, oh, you should read the Bible. You should start in the book of John. By the way, it's a terrible place to start if you're new to the Bible, and let me show you why. So you open your Bible to John 1. The very first thing you read is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. If you're new to the Bible, and you're by yourself reading this, here's what you've gathered thus far. There was some dude whose name was Word. What? But we do this to people. We say, oh, read, you just got to read the Bible by yourself and, and go in your room and read the Bible. Start the book. Don't do that. This book was meant to be read in community for a reason. That's why when you're reading this, and you're like, hey, I'm really confused. And they're like, oh, actually, this is this really brilliant thing that the author of this book does. And when they talk about the Word, they're talking about Jesus. And that Jesus is with God and that Jesus that Jesus is God and that Jesus, that God put on flesh and, and God became a human being. And there's this brilliant thing that the book of John is doing, but there's no way that you're going to know that if you just hang out of the room by yourself with your Bible. Number four, local church. If you're trying to follow Jesus in the midst of the ordinary day, when you come down off the mountaintop, you need a local church. You need a weekly gathering of the body of Christ with people of every generation who are all striving to follow Jesus together. And McPherson has some really great churches. And hear me, hear me, it's, it's not enough for you just to connect in chapel and on campus. If you want it to stick, if you want a relationship with Jesus that lasts, then you need the local church. Like everything else, if you need help planning a local church, I've been here a minute, and I know some great ones. If by chance you're here on campus, and you're a Roman Catholic, and you need help knowing when local mass is, I can help you. I have that information too. How do we live this life for Jesus after we come down off the mountain? Engage happens. So what's next? Bible study, prayer, community connecting to a local church. That's what's next. Experts have found that in order to develop a new habit 
a new discipline that you need to practice that habit every day for like two months. 66 days to be exact. Now, including today, there are 64 days left in this semester. Imagine what it would look like if you committed to Bible reading and prayer and community and engaging in the local church for the next 64 days. My heart for you as a campus is that the revival that we experienced last week would continue. I want more. I want more. I want more of you coming to embrace Jesus and give him your life. I want more of you getting baptized. I want more of you committing to this thing. I want more. I'm not satisfied with last week because I think that there's more that God wants to do. But I also want to see those of you who have made those decisions succeed. I want to see you live fully in the life that Jesus has for you. That's my new prayer for this campus community. And I will continue to pray it over you every day. Would you stand? I'm going to pray our benediction over you this morning, and then you are dismissed. So receive the words that I give you every time I'm in front of you, and those words are that God loves you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you with a love that has no beginning and no end. It's a love that you don't have to earn and that you can never lose. Whether you feel like a success or a failure, he loves you. Whether you feel alone or surrounded by people, he loves you. Whether you feel righteous or guilty, he loves you. He loves you enough to send his son to live for you, to die for you, and to be risen for you. Even right now, Jesus is before the Father speaking words of love on your behalf. Jesus will return to renew you and the whole world because he loves you. This is the most true thing about you. Before anything else can be said about you, this has to be said. God loves you. And that will never change. So don't forget it. Grace and peace, Central. Have a great week.